We have been considering this idea of prayer under the heading of what does God want to do in us next. We, we believe, we trust, we're praying that God does more in each of our lives individually, in all of our lives as a church in 2022. But in order to experience the more that God wants to give us, we have to create space for that. We have to seek after Him. And one of the primary ways we do that is through prayer. So as we're wrapping up this series, I, I want to talk about... Prayer from the sense of uh, one of the greatest privileges and honors that we have when it comes to praying. And that's the ability to pray for one another. To to take someone else's burden, someone else's need, someone else's name before God is a, a holy privilege that God gives to each of us. That we can come into the presence of God and we can ask Him to meet the needs of someone else. We can pray in, in hopefulness for what God wants to do in the life of someone else. Uh, prayer, on the one hand, is, is certainly a connection with God, so it has, a, it has a vertical component that I'm talking to God and my relationship with God is growing, but it has a horizontal aspect too when I begin to pray for other people because it's not only connecting me to God, it's connecting me to you. It's building greater compassion in my heart for you, greater empathy in my heart for you. I'm praying on the one hand to the eternal God who exists outside of time and space. Uh, He was not created. He did not come to be. He has eternally existed. So I'm communicating with a being that exists outside of time and space, but I'm bringing to him a specific person and a specific need within time. And space, meeting a spiritual connection and yet a very real, very immediate, very personal human connection. I'm afraid often in the time that we live that our language around prayer has become somewhat trivial in the way that we talk about prayer. We We use the phrase, I'll pray for you, and many of us mean that phrase. But I think a lot of times we use the phrase, I'll pray for you, as a a greeting or as a way to say goodbye to someone, right? Or as the way to end a conversation. Have you ever used that just so you could get away from someone? I'll pray for you. Sometimes we use this language not because we mean the language, but it, it is a convenient sounding phrase that sounds good. It sounds like the appropriate thing to say in the moment. As a pastor, I probably feel that pressure more than anybody, right? Because I am supposed to say that I will pray for you. I'm supposed to pray for you. And so I feel that pressure just like you feel it. To use prayer language as a way to communicate, I care about you. And it's wonderful to care about people. But often we say, I'll pray for you without there actually being prayer. Without actually following through with bringing that person, that name, that need before the Lord. Again, it just means I care about what you're saying. And so maybe if we aren't going to pray, we should just say, I care about what you're saying. Or I care about you and leave the prayer out if we're not going to actually pray because prayer is a, a holy privilege that we're given. You've, you've heard the phrase thoughts and prayers, right? Thoughts and prayers get 
thrown around often when there is either a national tragedy or a global tragedy or a personal tragedy someone shares on social media. They're going through a difficult time, and we say thoughts and prayers, which is a beautiful sentiment. It's a wonderful phrase, unless there's actually no prayer that follows thoughts and prayers. Right? I'm not against thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers is a wonderful way to communicate the fact that you care for somebody provided that you actually pray or provided that you actually think about them after that conversation. We, we tend to use prayer language so often, we don't mean it to be trivial, we don't mean it to be flippant, but I think sometimes it is. I think it's just a part of the code language that we know because we're religious people and so we use it to convey, I wish you well. I hope things turn out. When, when prayer is more than just wishing someone well, it is coming before God with the needs of another person. The, the, the big word, the, the Bible word, the, the, the spiritual word that we use for praying for another person is the phrase intercessory prayer or interceding. Right? It just means to go between. I'm going to go to God on behalf of someone else. So I'm standing between that person and their need and God, bringing requests for that person to God. Praying to God, eternal, spiritual. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for a specific person. And so that's the idea of intercessory prayer. I'm going to go before God on behalf of someone else. There's, a, there's an Old Testament picture. God so much wanted this to be a part of the fabric of His people that He gave this, this really iconic picture of what this looks like. When, when God was setting up His nation, the nation of Israel, Moses leads them out of Egypt. We call it the Exodus. They exit from Egypt. They're on their way to the Promised Land, and in between... Egypt and the promised land, God is giving to Moses certain patterns, certain rhythms, certain laws and rules, ways of doing things. In particular, ways of interacting with God, ways of relating to God. And a, a, a part of this system was that there was going to be a priest. And, and throughout the Old Testament, the priest predominantly, but along with prophets and, and rulers and kings, the priest is the one who would go before God on behalf of all of the people. Aaron is actually the first priest who would go before God. Now, in the Old Testament, some of you know this, uh, everything was prescribed for the priest, even what they wore. Uh, they had garments, and, and all of the garments had symbolic meaning, not because we're supposed to wear certain things now, thousands of years later, when we come before God. But each of these pieces taught something. We're saying, this is, this is what I want to be true of your life. You don't have to wear the actual thing. But I want this ingrained in your spiritual life. And here's a picture of it. When God gives the commandments to Aaron about his role as priest, this is Exodus 28, beginning in verse 9, he's going to outline a picture of interceding, intercessory prayer. Exodus 28, verse 9, 
Aaron is told, take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone, the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones, the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a memorial stone for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Okay, again, you're not supposed to put names literally on your shoulders. This is a picture from the Old Testament. What the priest would do is a part of what they wore as they went about the acts of worship and, and certainly going into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people. They had two stones. One had six names of the sons of Jacob who becomes his, he's renamed Israel. The other stone has the other six names of the sons of Israel. These represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So these represented all of the people of the nation. And when the priest went before God, when he performed his, his acts of worship, when he went into the Holy of Holies, these names were on his shoulders, pointed up to God. He was bearing the names of the people to God. But then in verse 29, he's also told, Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Right? And, and these... This, this sort of clothing is antiquated to us. It, 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 we don't relate so much to this sort of symbolic clothing, but God was given us a picture thousands of years ago of someone who would intercede between God and the people, would come between God and the people and bear the names of God's people on his shoulders, symbolizing bearing their burdens. Right. We, we talk about shouldering someone's burden or shouldering a burden. If you pick up something heavy and you kind of hoist it up onto your shoulder, this is the picture. Thousands of years ago, God said, you're going to come into my presence and you're going to share the burden of other people when you come to me. You're going to bear their burden and you're going to bear their names over your heart as a sign of your compassion for them, the fact that you love them, your empathy for them, your hope for them. You have this deep love for them, and that's why you would bear their burdens before me. And thousands of years later, we don't dress that way, okay? We have a different system of coming before God now. Now, any of us can come before God the way Aaron went before God in the Old Testament, but the idea is the same is that a part of our coming before God, a part of our prayer is. Bearing the burdens of other people on our shoulders because we love them so much. Their name is written over our heart. This is, a, this is a privilege that one person had in the Old Testament. We get to the New Testament. We're all priests. God says, all of you now have this privilege. All of you now have this responsibility. It's not just the, the priest's responsibility. It's not just the church leader's responsibility. All of you have a responsibility to shoulder burdens in prayer before the Lord out of a heart that cares and loves for people. That, that's what Old and New Testament teach us 
about praying for other people. If you want a way to write it down. When we pray for others, we're helping carry their burdens, shoulder their burdens out of a heart of compassion for them. We might even ask ourselves, evaluate ourselves with the question, what does my prayer life say about how much I care about other people? And if the priest bore their burdens because they were in his heart, then I have to ask, how many burdens am I bearing before the Lord? And what does that say about how much I love other people, how much I care for other people? Because God said thousands of years ago, this would be happening in your life. You would bear burdens out of your love for other people. Prayer is one of the ways, not the only way, it's one of the ways we bear each other's burdens. We shoulder the load for one another. Paul says it this way in Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. And Old Testament picture, one of the ways to do that was in coming before the Lord in prayer. Not the only way. I'm not saying it's the only way that we bear each other's burdens. I'm not saying that we don't do other things after we have prayed, but I also want to dismiss this idea that Prayer is somehow separate from doing something. That you're either praying or you're doing something. Prayer is doing something. Right? Let's clear that sort of false dichotomy up of, well, you're praying but you're not doing anything. No, prayer is doing something. Prayer is action. Prayer is engaging in things that matter. God said to Aaron, this matters to my people, it matters whether or not you bring them before me or not. It will matter to their future. It will matter to how I work in my people. This matters. Prayer is action. Prayer is doing something. Let's, let's again remove that sort of false dichotomy from our mind of, well, we can pray or we can do something. No, prayer is doing something. Pr- prayer is Allowing us to enter into spiritual activity that's happening all the time that we don't see. Right? There is a spiritual realm. There are spiritual battles that are fought and won, fought and lost. When you pray, you are actively stepping into those battles, those unseen places. And you are engaging. You are acting. Prayer is doing Something. It's it's not the only thing we can do. There may be things that you should do after you pray. There may be things you should follow up with. I'm I'm not saying prayer is always the only thing that we do. I'm suggesting prayer is the first action that you take. And if you take that action, God will make it clear what the next action should be. But prayer is doing something. Prayer may not be the only action we need to take, but it's action. It's stepping into spiritual battles. One of the things prayer does as a form of action is it supernaturally multiplies our ability to act and influence what's happening in the world. There are only so many places that you and I can be on any given day. There are only so many things you and I can physically do on any given day. There are only so many really good causes that you and I can engage in 
on any given day. Prayer multiplies our ability to be active in what's happening in the world. You could pray for, have influence over, act on something that's happening in a completely different part of the world right now when you come before God with that need. You can engage that. You can act on what's happening in another country right now because you pray. And yes, after you pray, there may be something else that you need to do. But prayer is the first act. It's the first step that you and I need to take. Another thought. When we pray for another person, we're at the same time, this is the vertical horizontal idea, we're at the same time touching heaven and becoming more human. As you pray for other people, it tenderizes your heart towards other people. It allows you to relate to other people. It allows you to feel the needs of other people. And so at the same time, spiritually I'm growing because I'm talking to God the Father. God's doing a work in me spiritually. But humanly, God is making me more the person that I'm supposed to be. God is helping me see other people, have compassion for other people, love other people in a deeper way. Connecting with heaven, I'm becoming more human. Another benefit of praying for others. Praying for other people, giving focused time to praying for other people can help balance out my prayer life in a number of ways. There's probably more than what I'm going to mention this morning. One of the ways that praying for other people helps balance out my prayer life is some of us, maybe all of us, when it comes to prayer, we can have a tendency to pray only when we need something. It's probably happened to all of us. We've kind of evaluated our prayer life and realized, I pray most when I need something. I pray most when there's trouble in my life. I pray most when there's a burden in my life. I pray most when I need a door to open. I need something that I pray most... Maybe exclusively, me-centrically, self-centrically. All of my prayers are about me. All of my prayers are about me. When you and I develop the discipline, the pattern, the habit of praying for other people, it, it helps balance out this self-centered prayer life. You should pray for yourself. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. You should ask for what's on your heart. You should bring your desires before the Lord. You should pray for struggles that you have, for, for difficulties that you're going through. You should do all of that, and you should pray for the hurts that are happening in other people as well. Both of those should be happening in our life. When I begin to pray for other people, it helps balance some of that out in me. Others of us, we have a tendency to pray differently for other people than we pray for ourselves, right? And let me explain this, and this, this may not be for everybody, right? If this isn't for you, then just ignore for a few minutes and check back in in about three minutes. This, but I think this is for some of us. Some of us, we have no problem praying bold, faithful, daring, miraculous seeking prayers for other people. We have no problem praying prayers of encouragement, hope, redemption. 
We have no problem asking really big for somebody else. But some of us, maybe it's not all of us, some of us just feel awkward praying those sort of big prayers for ourselves. We feel awkward coming to God with a really big ask for me. I'm fine praying that for somebody else. I'm, I'm, I'm fine praying for miracles in somebody else's life. I'm fine praying really big things, praying in faith for somebody else, and then I kind of I pull my punches when I'm praying for me because it feels awkward. As you pray for other people, especially if you're someone who prays big, bold prayers for another person, listen to the way you pray for them. It's okay to pray for you that way. It's analogous to those of us who have a very uh, a critical voice in our life, in our head, like our brain. Whenever our brain talks to us, for, for some of us, it's always criticizing it's always telling us we're the worst, we're a failure. Nobody's ever going to forget that dumb thing that you did. You're never going to recover. Gosh, you should be better than that by now. Some of us have this inner critic. It's always speaking negatively towards us in ways that we would never speak to another human being. Like You would never, for some of you, if that's you, if that's, if that's the way your mind talks to you, you would never talk to another person the way you talk to yourself. If somebody came to you and said, I made this huge mistake at work, I blew it, tomorrow's going to be really bad, you would say to them, it's probably not going to be as bad as you think. You're going to get over this. You're going to get through this. This will just be a little blip on the radar. You, six months from now, nobody's ever going to remember this happened. You're going to be okay. You would encourage, you would lift up, whereas if it happened to you, what your mind would tell you is, oh, you're never going to live this down. Like You're probably going to get fired. You probably, nobody will ever hire you again. You are the worst at this particular thing. I know that's not everybody. Again, this isn't for everybody. Some of us have just a really critical way of talking to ourselves in a way we would never talk to another person. And so what I would say on both accounts, is if that's you, start talking to yourself the way you would talk to somebody else. Allow yourself the same encouragement that you would naturally give to another person when it comes to prayer. Those bold, faithful, redemptive, hopeful prayers that you would pray for another person, it's okay to pray those for yourself. It's okay to come to God with that same sense of expectation. And we don't control the answers and we don't control the outcomes. But I think as we pray faithfully for other people, maybe our brain will hear how we pray and go, well, God, I want to pray that for me too. I want to pray in that same hopeful way for me too. I want to pray for that same miracle for me too. I, I want to pray that same open door. Pr prayer, praying for other people has this way of balancing out my prayer language and my prayer focus. Another thought about praying for other people. When I intercede for another person, I'm entering into the work of the Trinity. Okay, just to kind of step into kind of the, the spiritually theological realm. 
praying for other people is what the Trinity is doing right now. Jesus is praying for us. The Holy Spirit prays for us. God the Father is listening to the prayers of His Son and the prayers of the Holy Spirit for all of us. So when you, this is how holy a privilege this is, when you begin to pray for somebody else, you're doing what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are always doing. You're aligning your spiritual acts and your spiritual life with what's happening in the Trinity all of the time. Let me show you where this is. Romans chapter 8, wonderful chapter. In verse 26, Paul says, In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, third part of the Trinity, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes. There's that word. Intercedes for us through wordless groans. What does the Holy Spirit do? He prays for us. He prays for us. Especially when we don't know what to pray for. Have you ever had those times when you just weren't sure what to ask for? Maybe it was just a really complex issue. Maybe you... It was just hard to know which outcome you should be desiring. You ever been in a situation you just didn't know how to pray? Paul says, Holy Spirit will pray for you. And he'll pray in ways that are even beyond human language to comprehend. Like He will pray for you in supernatural ways that that are far beyond your ability to put it into words. The Holy Spirit member of the Trinity, is praying for you, interceding for you. Then a little bit farther down in that chapter, verse 34, Paul says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Holy Spirit's praying for you. Jesus, the Son, Paul says he's at the right hand of the Father. It's the the place of honor, the place of privilege. The the most honorable position was at the right hand. Jesus is there now. He died. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of God. What's he doing? He's praying for all of us. Praying for all of us. Holy Spirit's praying for all of us. Jesus the Son, praying. They're interceding. They're going in between us and God. When you do that for somebody else, you are joining the work of the Trinity. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, again, speaking of Jesus. Therefore, He, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Why is your... Salvation secure. It's not because of you. Okay. If you could lose your salvation, you would. If you could blow it, you would and you will. Jesus, who saved you, is at the right hand of the Father and He's just continuing to pray for you. He's just continuing to pray for you. Continuing to pray for you. So, when we say, I'll pray for you and we don't, we don't realize we just missed an opportunity to, to join in with what the Trinity is already doing. We just missed an opportunity to spiritually step into this profound, powerful moment where we pray to God. And aside, 
God the Father is the only one they pray to, right? There's not other saints and people that we pray to. They're praying to God the Father. Right? We're, our prayers are going through the Trinity, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's who we pray to. That's, that's the only one we pray to. But what, a, what an incredible thought that you, wherever you are, at your work tomorrow, when you get out of bed, when you get ready to go to sleep tomorrow night, you can step into the work of the Trinity because they're praying for you. Some practical suggestions. Paul says uh, over in 1 Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I'm urging you. I, I'm trying to convince you. You need to be praying for people. You need to be praying, and praying all kinds of prayers, right? Prayers, petitions, thanksgiving. No, it, it, I'm, I'm not just bearing their burdens in that I'm praying for people uh, who have uh, really traumatic things going on in their life. I'm praying for them, but I'm also praying sometimes just because I'm thankful for people. God, I'm so thankful that person's in my life. I'm thankful for what they shared with me today. I'm thankful that we, we got to have lunch today, and they just encouraged me. I'm praying, petitioning, but I'm also thankful. Paul said in Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. Like every time your, your name comes to my mind, I just, I just thank God for you. You and I should, we should have this habit, this pattern of praying for people so that when they enter our mind, our response is to pray. And, and maybe it's to thank God for them. Maybe there's a need in their life that we don't know about. Some of you have had this experience. Somebody's just on your mind. You got up in the morning, they were on your mind. You didn't think anything about it. You went about your day that afternoon. They're on your mind that evening. Somebody mentioned them in conversation. You get up the next day, they're on your mind. Often... I think that's a prompt from God saying, I just need you to pray for this person. You don't have to know why. I just need you to pray for this person. When, when, when a name is there, when a person keeps coming up, like Paul said, every time I remember you, every time you come to my mind, I take you to God. You and I need that pattern in our life where we're praying for people as they come to mind. But I, but I would also say that a lot of our minds aren't real dependable, right? Uh, my mind is not real dependable sometimes, uh, less than it used to be, as a matter of fact. Our, our minds are not always real dependable to trigger those times in prayer, and so it can be really helpful to put things on paper, like prayer lists are a good thing. Prayer journals are a good thing. Dates are a good thing. Check marks. We've been turning in these prayer requests, and as people have prayed for them, they're covered in check marks where somebody said, I prayed for that, prayed for that, prayed for that. Just some way to keep praying for other people in front of you. You all have a notes app or something like it on your phone. Just make a prayer list note. Just start putting names, situations, what you're trusting God for. Just put it in your notes app and the next time you're bored for 2.7 seconds and reach for your phone like a lot of us do, instead of opening social media that time, open up your prayer list and just say, God, I want to I pray for three of these names right now. Boom, boom, boom. And maybe that became our pattern throughout the day. We had that little moment of lull that we would fill with something mindless. Maybe some of those moments... We would feel with just, God, I just want to lift this person up. I've been praying for this person. I want to pray for them again. Um, 
some of the <clears throat> some of the bigger needs in the lives of people that I know has turned into an alert on my phone. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm telling you what I do. It's turned into an alert on my phone. <clears throat> so every day, same time. There are certain names that pop up on my phone because I set an alert. Four o'clock every day. Pray for this person. Pray for this need. Maybe there are needs in your life like there are needs in the lives of the people that I know that necessitate. I want to I see this every day. I want to pray this Every single day. Some of us <clears throat> are in the habit and others of us need to get in the habit of praying for people who don't know Christ. That around us, in your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, there are people separated from God. Haven't stepped into the wonderful grace and forgiveness and love of Jesus. They're far from God. Just say, I'm going to pray for them every day. I mean, would, wouldn't it be great if everybody who attends Journey just picked one person? Pick one person. Throughout 2022, I'm going to pray every day that Christ would get a hold of this person's heart. I'm going to pray every day that this person would come to know Jesus. And we all prayed that every single day, different names, different people, different relationships to see how the Spirit of God might move in some hearts over the next year. Pray, pray for people, make it practical, put it on paper, make it a part of your daily life. Jesus commands us to pray for our enemies commands us to pray for our enemies. We said last week, it might not change your enemy, but it'll change you. And it might begin slowly to change that person just because you prayed faithfully, consistently. We're commanded to pray for those who are sick. Pray for those who have needs. Wonderful <clears throat> moment in the 22nd chapter of Ezekiel. Where God says, I was just looking for somebody to call out to me on behalf of my people. He uses the imagery of, of a wall that has collapsed and somebody standing in the gap and warning. And, and God said, like, there, there was nobody to stand in the gap for my people. Nobody would bring them to me. We want to be people who stand in the gap for other people. We want to be people who cry out to God with the burdens of other people because the, of the privilege and holy responsibility of praying for others. It's been a couple of years now, but uh, I was doing a funeral. I was, I was speaking at a funeral and before and then again after the service, I met an older gentleman who was a retired minister. And we just began to talk about life and, and ministry and church and uh, various things. He had lost his wife just a, a year or two before I met him. And uh, we, we talked for the longest time. And, and at the end of that conversation, he got my cell number. And since that time, I regularly get texts from this retired pastor, and he tells me that he's praying for me. 
I got one this morning, as I often do on Sunday mornings. As I was driving in early this morning, and he, he, he talked about, he usually shares a little devotion, and it was about being made in the image of God and what that means and, and affirming the giftedness that he sees in me and that he believes for me and, and, and praying for our church. He prays for our church on Sunday mornings, and he cautioned me about guarding my thoughts and, and the choices that I make. And then the last thing he says, praying for you every day, praying for you every day. And he's not somebody who says that flippantly. That's not trivial to him. He prays for me every day. And if that's ever happened to you, you know what that means. Like you know what it means to, to hear that, to receive that. I, I'm embarrassed to admit, and I hope he's not watching I didn't even put his name in my contacts the day we met. Um, I don't know what to call him when I text him back. But I get a text from a 678 six, six, number once or twice a week because there is an older retired minister who believes that he is supposed to bear the name of Ken Sermons on his shoulders and over his heart to the presence of the Lord every day. And I love him deeply for it. It doesn't take some unique wiring to do this, to be this person. It doesn't take theological training to be this person. All it takes is an understanding of how profoundly important it is to pray for other people. What a holy privilege it is to pray for other people and then to have a heart that cares enough about other people to pray for them. And I want to be this to other people. And I want you to be this to other people. God, we ask that you would stir us with a new awareness, uh, a profound sense of the weight of what it means to step into your presence with somebody else's name on our lips. It was so important to you that you gave us a picture of it in the Old Testament and all throughout the rest of your word you told us we should do it. You told us how important it is. Paul urges us to pray. And probably all of us at times we have been so flippant about this. It has seemed so trivial. I pray that it won't be trivial anymore. It won't be flippant anymore. 
It will be important enough to us that we will practice it. We will put it into our days and put it into our weeks. That we would join the acts of the Trinity by interceding for other people. The band's going to sing a song and we're going to stand and Maybe a name's been coming to your heart this whole time. Just begin to pray for that person. You can pray where you're going to be standing. You can come to the front if you'd like and lift them up. Bear them up on your shoulders and over your heart. Bear them up before the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.